Hello, welcome to Full Court Press episode 4. My name is Charles. And I'm Elliot. And today we have a very special guest, Sean Powell. Guys, I appreciate you having me. Um, you know, I, uh, I've been covering the NBA now for going on about 35 years or so. I started out uh, in, uh, in New York City, well actually Miami. I was the first beat writer of the, the Miami Heat started in 1988 and went from there to... New York City, the big city, home of the Knicks and the Nets when they were in New Jersey. Jason Kidd was taking them back-to-back NBA Finals. Didn't win, but he became a transformation, transformative player, I guess, during that time. Uh, and that was also the time when Pat Riley was coaching the Knicks. So you had the hard scrabble Knicks and all those back alley fights with the uh, with the Chicago Bulls. They could never beat Michael Jordan, though. Oh yeah. The way. Yeah. And then I left there and to my current place, NBA.com. Been here for almost a dozen years now. Get to cover the league and probably the the greatest game ever invented. Basketball at an exciting time. I've been lucky enough to see all of Michael George championships, all of Kobe Bryant's championships, and all of LeBron James's championships. And now, who knows? might get to see more of Stephen Curry's championships and maybe a few Giannis's championships before I'm all done. Absolutely. That that's amazing. Like that that's really, really cool to hear, yeah. you know. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's it's great. I've been very fortunate to have a front row seat and and all the big moments, you know, Michael Jordan hitting that shot over Brian Russell. Oh yeah. Uh, Steph Curry last year obviously in the NBA finals, but really all of his championship runs, you know, Kobe Bryant jumping on the scores table at uh, it's formerly known as the Staples Center after he wins the championship over the Boston Celtics. Uh, you know, look, I can go on and on, man. It's just been a pleasure to be around the players, the coaches, starting off with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird in the 80s, mm-hmm. and now with uh, LeBron James still hanging in there, Giannis, Steph Curry, and maybe tomorrow's greats like maybe Paulo Bancaro will oh, be up there. Yeah. Who knows? You never know. Absolutely. Uh, but just to be able to see generations of NBA players come through has been a great pleasure of mine. Absolutely. Yeah. And to go off with your uh, the players that you're like, you know, you're progressively getting to the newer generations. Have you seen anything from the players um, that kind of like differ from the years prior? You know, like. Like the 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 way that young players are kind of like evolving their games or like evolving their their sort of like you know the way the way they're being trained or the way they're being taught to shoot or like you know like all that stuff. Have you seen like a progression or kind of like some changes from the eighties and then on? Some might call it a progression. Some might call it a regression. Depending on your viewpoint of the game, the game has changed. You know, back when I first came in, it was sort of like you had different styles. Like the Celtics were a very good half court uh, team. They were good pretty much on the break, too, but they were very good in half court with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale down on the low post, Robert Parrish on the low post. Mm. And you had Magic Johnson running the fast break with the Lakers. So you had different styles back in the day. Absolutely. You can even go up to yeah. where Isaiah and the Pistons, you know, they were yeah. defensive-oriented teams. But today, everybody runs the same plays. You know, th- th- there's there's no diversity of style today. Everyone spreads the floor. The star player goes one-on-one. Mm. Everyone's yeah. shooting three-pointers. Uh, that part to me has been a regression because yeah. I I liked I liked the styles the diversification I'd like to see a, a half court team play against a fast break team but now everybody runs the same place I don't even know why coaches call timeout really I mean yeah. with two with a minute left and you're down by a couple points you know what you're going to do right. you're going to spread the floor if you, your best player is going to go ISO mm-hmm. he's not going to pass the ball unless he has to. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I, some people might like that, and I, I think there is a beauty in it, uh, but then some people might, you know, pine for the old days. I don't, I don't want to be one of those guys who just always thinks the, the old days are better. No, not necessarily. The athletes today are better. They're better shooters for sure. Right. Uh, yeah. But I just think the game, in some ways, was a little bit better back then. Yeah, and, I mean, one of the teams that was different, I mean, I guess a few years ago even was the Spurs who 
Popovich really led them to a different style of play than everyone else mm-hmm. in the league. And, I mean, that got them far quite a few times. But, I mean, I feel like the last few years, his play style, he's just had to differ, differentiate it, you know. he his He's played on teams that were not very good in the pace, you know. They were very slow teams. And then this season he comes out with a very fast-paced Spurs team. And that's just a good example, I think, to me of – how the league is changing and how even great coaches such as Greg Popovich is having to adapt with with the changes in the game. Mm -hmm. Well, coach can come in and he can say, we want to go fast track, we want to go up-tempo, we want to shoot the three. He can say everything he wants to say. But you have to coach based on the talent you have. Right. I mean, if you you have a bunch of slots, you're not running up and down the, the floor. And just the same, if you have a bunch of, you know, swing men and guards, you're not going to throw the ball into the low post. You're not going to win many games that way. Yeah. So you're really basically you are, are at the mercy of what the general manager brings in. You know, defensive players, shooters, slashers, you know, a good point, good smart point guard. Uh, and you just have to be able to adjust with the times. And Greg Popovich is a perfect example of, of a coach who's had to adjust with the times over the years. He started out with David Robinson, then added Tim Duncan, yeah, right. and then made lost Tim Duncan. He had Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. you know, now the cupboard's a little bit bare. But, but he's got a lot of young players, so he can go run a little bit quick, not worry about these guys tiring out or anything like that. And they're pretty inter- interchangeable, too. So he has a pretty deep bench. Throw him in there. Look, he's not going to win a championship this year. But he can see what he has and uh, what, what players he'd like to keep for the uh, for the next few years if, by the way, he's still coaching over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. And one more question to ask is, is there any players nowadays that you look at and it sort of resembles uh, an old, I mean, I guess an old style of play? You know, someone that resembles someone, a player from like the 80s or 90s, you know? Just a player that succeeds now that could succeed back then with their style of play. That's a great question. Uh, I think... I can think of two players, and they happen to be teammates. I think of Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I bring yeah. them up is because they can shoot the mid-range shot. You know, yeah. they're, they're not just spacing the floor, standing out there in the corner and waiting for someone to pass them the ball. First of all, they can dribble, all right? So they can take their man off the dribble. And, they can, and they're comfortable shooting pretty much anywhere on the floor. They're not a specialist. I think specialist is kind of robbing the game. In other words, you don't work on any other part of your game. You only work on one yeah, thing. Right. I, I think you're denying yourself, number one. You're denying your team, number two. And you're denying the game. Work on other things. Work on your dribble. Work on your passing. Work on your shooting from yeah. all spots on the floor. And when I see guys like Chris Paul... Uh, I don't know how many more years left, but he's a smart player. He knows his teammates. He studies the game. He knows his opponents. He knows how to, you know, get into the seams, the cracks, and, you know, and and launch a shot. Devin Booker's the same way. Smart player. Knows his way around the floor. Those guys, are, in, in a sense, are throwbacks. Mm. Uh, in, yeah. in a sense where I think, look, I mean, you can take a lot of players from this area, and, and they would play very well in the other era. Right. Although I would say... In the case of maybe LeBron or maybe even Steph Curry, if they go down the lane against Rick Mahorn and Bill Lambert, they yeah. might get a little physical. Right. You know, yeah. the, the type of the type of physicality that they don't see in today's game. Yeah. So again, a, a lot of things is about the rules, it's about the court, it's about styles and things like that. But those two players, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they come to mind with regards to your question. Yeah, and Chris Paul, that's a great example to me. I mean. To me, probably the greatest true point guard of all time. I mean, just the uh, passing. I don't know about that now. I've, again, I've been probably lucky enough, or maybe unlucky enough, to be a little older and been around a few like you. Uh, John Stockton, pure point yeah, guard. That guy that's a good pull. Good pull. Teammates. Well, <laughs> nobody's going to touch his, his career assist record. Let's put it that way. Right, yeah. Because he was as pure as you can get as far as a point guard. Now, he wasn't that much of a scorer. I think his career scoring average probably about 14, 15 a game. Right. But yeah. he was a pure point guard, setting up teammates. But yeah, he had Carl Malone, of course. Yeah. And, you know, Carl Malone's a Hall of Famer, former two-time MVP, but still at the same time, someone had to get Carl Malone the ball. Yeah. So, yeah. But without a doubt, Chris Paul is definitely in 
in the conversation for top five, uh, without a doubt. I mean, it depends on where you put Austin Robertson, right, yeah. uh, Magic Johnson. You know, right, you can right. go on Isaiah Thomas. People just sleep on him. Oh, my God, yeah. he's such a great point guard on both ends of the floor. See, Chris Paul, yeah. good point guard, uh, but Isaiah Thomas was just tremendous. And again, yeah. you know, look, I never saw Will Chamberlain today, so I can't really comment on him, but there's a lot of young people, young fans watching today never saw players of the 80s and 90s place so they really can't really judge them uh fair you can only yeah, judge you know, the, the generational players that you actually see today. yeah and i mean i i'm a pistons fan so i've been blessed in a way to for me to be informed on watching many games from back in the day mm-hmm. and not even just them i mean i watched i've watched many i've watched so many NBA Finals from the 90s over and over and over just to see how different it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when the Finals comes around every year, I'll stick to watching the old 90s Finals or the 80s Finals, you know, just to see how much has changed, you know? Back then, you weren't seeing a lot of threes. Maybe Steve Kerr right. on the Bulls teams, you know, but other than that, you weren't seeing many threes mm-hmm. shot in Finals. You were just seeing physical players driving and yeah. hope the ball goes in, you know, by working yeah. their magic. It, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. It's because you watch it. His it, it was crazy. Larry Bird was one of the greatest shooters of all time. But he didn't really take that many threes. Yeah. You know, he really only took them like, you know, when he felt he needed to take them. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you know, he was setting up, you know, shooting mid-range. See, analytics yeah. has just changed the game. Has, yeah. It's changed it, it, all the way even down to the grade school level. You know, yeah. you've got coaches now teaching 12, 13, 14-year-olds, hey, man, don't take that mid-range shot. Hey, man, don't go to the basket. Just stand outside and, and shoot threes. Well, not yeah. everybody's going to grow up to be Steph Curry. Right, you know? yeah. I mean, you know, you, you know, I've, today I see a three-on-one fast break and then the, the two players on the wings – Used to be that they would just keep running down and, and and you know running down the lane and get a layup. Now they run to the corners. It's crazy to me. The percentage of on a three on one fast break of you running to the corner, uh, you running to the corner and get a pass for a three point shot versus you running filling the lane and getting a yeah. pass for the layup. Right. I think I'd probably take the higher percentage shot. Exactly. Absolutely. And I mean, I can vouch for you when you say coaches do teach players to not drive in or to shoot the mid-range because I do play on a high school level of basketball competitively and I mean that's true they teach you to work on shooting and the only shooting they teach you to work on is the three-point shooting you know Mm -hmm. and not everyone like you said is going to be Steph Curry but you know everyone's going to try right I mean even big men nowadays I mean especially like Recently, big men are coming in the league shooting like, shooting like a guard, you know. Yeah, and yeah, and, and and that's great if you can shoot at a reasonably efficient per- percentage. But yeah. I often say this about big men shooting threes: mm. if you're seven foot tall, take take uh, Chris Porzingis. If you're seven foot tall, mm. and pretty much every time you come down a court, you just stop at the three point line. If you do that, you go from being seven foot tall to six two. Right. Yeah, your your height doesn't matter anymore because you're exactly. not you're not using your God given your biggest gift from God from the basketball gods. That's your height. Just right. wandering that to just set up outside the three. Mm. I don't have a problem with big men shooting threes. Mm. The biggest problem I have is big men coming down the court and stopping at the three point line yeah, pretty right. much three out of four times coming mm. down the court. Yeah. I'm like, well, what? Why don't you just post up, see if you can get that first, and if you can't, then go back out and shoot the three rather than the other way around. If you watch a game and you watch some of these, you know, big men, I'm not talking about Kevon Looney's of the world who can't shoot outside the paint. I'm talking right. about big men who's got been drilled to, hey, man, you need to shoot some threes. Mm-hmm. You watch, if you watch them during a game, they don't go anywhere near the paint. And that's, to me, that's crazy. I was talking to Kareem Abdul Jabbar the other day. And I said, man, in this game, he, you know, obviously he had this, this guy. Well, I said, in today's game, you know what a coach would tell you? You got to shoot more threes. Now think about that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. And 
like we were talking about the evolution of the game, right? It's it's always kind of like stretched out. But do you think that players eventually? I mean, Wembenyama's coming into the league next year. He's yeah. like what seven four? Yeah, like, seven four. Yeah, like he's he's a huge guy, and there's gonna be guys just like him who will either grow to be that size or who who are that size right now. Do you think that the league will end up cycling through this? Um, only take threes, like like try to get those those power plays, those you know all that. Do you think it'll go back to like centers actually doing really what they're supposed to do, what they're what they're what they're designed to do, which is to play in the in the paint and in the post? Do you think that'll ever happen again? You know, it's crazy if you look at the last two or three years and mm-hmm. you look at the MVP vote. Mm-hmm. The three players, the finish, players who finished pretty much one, two, three, in whatever order is uh, Giannis, Jokic, yep. and Jokic, and Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah, three big men. Those guys usually don't stand outside and shoot threes. Right. Yeah, you know? Embiid maybe once. You know, Embiid three, is yeah. a beast in the post. Right. You Absolutely. know, sometimes he'll he'll drift out there, but Giannis, you know, he's not a great three point shooter, and that's probably it's good for him. Yeah. Because he's he's a two-time MVP based on what he does in the post. Absolutely. On, on both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. And as far as as far as uh, Jokic, who's won the MVP twice, mm-hmm. he is so skillful off the dribble, so tricky. Yeah. He can get inside. He's got a nice little shot. Obviously, you know, he can pass. Yeah. And when he sets up at the top of the key, it's really not to shoot three-pointers. It's to spot over teammates. Yeah. So, again, I mean, I think it comes down to uh, – oh, one other thing about those three players, they didn't go to the AAU system. The, yeah. You know, they, you know, they're all international players. born players. They are. They weren't schooled that way. Right. You yeah. see, if you look at the American-born players, ah, yeah, big man. Oh, you got to go out there and shoot some threes, man. You're not gonna make yeah. the NBA if you don't shoot any threes. Yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. I think it comes down to this: what's the best way I can make some money? And yeah. if you feel the best way you can make some money, if you're a big man, is go out there and jack up some threes and shoot them at thirty-four percent rate. Go ahead. I, I wish you luck. Yeah. But you're, squ- you're squandering your gifts. You're squandering your height, your mm. length. The fact yeah. that you can go down low, get fouled, get, get to the free throw line, mm. you know, get offensive rebounds, help your team that way. I don't know. I don't want to sound too old schoolish now, but I just yeah. think when I look at Victor Wimbiana, look, the guy obviously has to bounce off the dribble and can shoot right. from range. Oh, yeah. But I wouldn't want him to squander that seven foot four. Oh, my God. Right. First of all, you know, mothers don't make. Agile seven foot four players like that, yeah, they don't along very often. So you don't learn how to play the game everywhere on the floor and not just certain spots. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what makes Giannis great is that like there's nobody really in the paint to stop him. You know, everything's exactly. always exactly and, exactly. Yeah, and I think Wembenyama because of his size and because of his skills, like he could go shoot a three. You have to guard him in. The, you have to guard him outside, but you, he also can beat you off the dribble. And can go for like those those hammer dunks, you know, all like yeah. all the time, and so because of because of how versatile uh, both Giannis and Wembenyama are, I mean, I think those two are really going to thrive in this league. It will like the league will be theirs, you yeah. know, once LeBron once LeBron steps down. And I mean, even right now, I feel like it could be Giannis's league right now already. Mm. You know, I mean, he already has a respectable back to back MVP, two time right. MVP. He has a ring, Finals mm. MVP. You know, led. Led his team to a finals, you know. He he is defensive player of the years on his right resume too. You know he has everything going for him. Yeah, and I feel like right now, the league is his. It's just he's not being respected as mm-hmm. his league. You know, because right. like you said, there's guys in the league like like LeBron. Curry yeah. and LeBron Durant, who, yeah, who have past history. Right, and I mean Curry, recent. I mean last season he won a championship, mm-hmm. which is great and all, but. I mean, right now, I feel like for the last few years, it has been Giannis's league, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. He's been, he's the only player that I feel like has been a consistent, not only lead his team to the playoffs mm-hmm. and lead them far, but stay statistically Up repetitive. Up there, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you could even argue if Chris Middleton had been healthy last year, that Giannis would have back-to-back NBA titles. I mean, yeah, yeah. because I think they would have beat the Boston Celtics. They took the Celtics in seven games, even without Chris Middleton. True, and the Warriors team that won the championship last year, even Steve Kerr would tell you, is probably the weakest Warriors team to win a championship. Yeah, mm, uh, course, because Draymond Green was not that good. Right. Clay yeah. Thompson was just okay. Mm-hmm. And Steph Curry had to play out of his mind. 
Yeah. Yeah, they beat the Celtics, but I don't think that team probably would have beaten the Bucks that way. That's just my guess. And also, if you look at Giannis, he's off to another st- good start this year. Yes. Yeah. And, and let's assume, let's assume that the Bucks do win it. They're kind of favored a little bit, and Chris Middleton comes back, and Joe Ingles comes back and helps him a little bit. Uh, you could put Giannis's last five years, that half decade, up to up against a lot of half decade runs in NBA history, like. You know, you can go back to, since the merger anyway, mm-hmm. you can go back and look what the five straight, I'm talking about consecutive years, look at the five consecutive years that Michael Jordan put together. Right. You know, look at the five consecutive years, LeBron, Curry, Tim Duncan, Larry Bird, right. Kareem, Akeem Olajuwon. Mm-hmm. I would think Giannis, if, if he wins a championship this year, gets MVP and finals MVP, put his five years up against a lot of others, and I think it would compare favorably. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And especially with his defensive presence, too, you know? Exactly, yes. That's the other thing that he has going for him yeah. that Larry Bird didn't have going for him, that, Larry, that Magic Johnson didn't have going for him. Mm. And you can go on, and, and even Michael Jordan's not, you know, he was a, he was former defensive player of the year, but he's not anywhere near Giannis's ability. Right. Yeah. And maybe you have to go to Akeem Elijahwan to yeah. find a, a, a two-way player who had a great half decade yeah. run mm-hmm. uh but yeah you, you make a great point you know people look at Giannis they please he's an unbelievable defensive player he changes the game defensively yeah absolutely and you know I mean I just I'm just amazed um how so many players nowadays are kind of in tuned on just doing one thing on the court but they're still the guys that refuse to play off of everyone else Mm -hmm. and they just do their own thing you know and it works so well yeah that's what makes them great yeah 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 i think i think uh, the one thing about today's game is that the money has gotten so great and you could be a one-dimensional player and still make 12 million dollars a year hey that's pretty good you don't have to work on like i said you don't have to work on the rest of your game and you can still you know what you walk away from this game play about eight nine ten years Clear maybe like a hundred or close to a hundred million dollars. <laughs> That's yeah. why certain players they become pacified in that. Hey, uh, I'll just work on rebounding, or I'll just work on setting picks, or I'll just work on this, or I'll just work on spreading the floor, being yeah. a B and D guy, whatever. I don't have to be great mm-hmm. to come away from this game and make millions of dollars. I think that's where the money hurts the NBA. Yeah. Because it pays you to be mediocre, and you don't spend the off season working on the other parts of the game. However, the great. They always come back great because they work on their game. Yeah. And these are the guys making $35, $40 million a year, generational players. They love the, the game, and they pay the game back by coming back stronger the very next year. Yeah, for exactly. Sure, for sure. And I think one of the biggest ways you can put that into perspective is how a player like Duncan Robinson, who's known only – Basically, for his three-point shooting, doesn't do much than pop a casual three when he's on the court, making about 15 mil a year, you know? Making Actually, he's up uh, about $20 million a year, but your point made. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's a guy who, if he's not making that three-point shot, he's unplayable. You yeah, can't yeah. have him on the floor yeah. because he doesn't dribble, he doesn't take it to the hole, he doesn't shoot the mid-range. He's not great defensively, and he's not hitting. And, and by the way, speaking of three-point shot, he's got to be wide open for the yeah. most part. So yeah. If he's not hitting that three-point shot, he's got to go on the bench. And you saw that's what happened last year, right? Yeah. When that three-point percentage starts to die, he's on the bench, and that's an expensive bench ornament you got over there making $20 million, oh, yeah. and he's yeah. sitting behind your seven or some other player. That's crazy. Yeah, it really is, and... One of the best one-way players in the league that, I mean, in a way, he's a one-way player. Trey Young, who is not really much up on defensive end, but he produces enough on offense to stay on the court and stay consistent, you know. Mm-hmm. you know. But he, he's making so much money in the next few years that, you know, for him only to, you know, do stuff for you on offense... It's kind of just mind-boggling, especially mm-hmm. when you look at guys like Drew Holiday, who's making, I think, just, he's making, I think, $32 million a year. 
making about yeah, yeah. the same. Yeah, you, you know, you, you're right about that, Drew Holiday. But Holiday cannot compare offensively to, and he doesn't have to, he's got Giannis on his team, but yeah, yeah. he can't compare offensively to Trey Young. The other thing, the reason why Trey Young makes a lot of money is that, yeah, he's shooting, he, he, he's not great defensively, but he's a very good passer. Very yeah, underrated is. as far he as is. that's concerned. Yeah. He sets up his team. Last year, he led the league in total points and total assists. Yeah, so, you know, that's a testament to his passing skills. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, he, right place, right time, too. I mean, the Atlanta Hawks, yeah. you know, uh, this is a team that was searching for, like, a, I wouldn't say a savior, but like a franchise type a face of the, of the franchise, whatever. Yeah. He came along. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's a circumstance that plays a part in. Number one, that you even play in the NBA. There are certain players yeah. who, who've made a career out of the NBA. I can guarantee you, I can go to the G League, I go overseas and find a player who can do just as good, but they just didn't have the right circumstance, right place, yeah. right time. Sometimes that helps out too. And the other thing is character. You know, sometimes yeah. you look like a guy who keeps getting, you know, one year contract. Like, how is he still in the league? Well, he's yeah. a good guy in the locker room. You know, he helps out in other ways, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- those are the type of players that, you know, teams want around. They don't have to worry about, you know, this guy getting in trouble. And they know that he's going to be a great influence on younger players. Yeah. And, and on top of that, with Trey Young especially, um, and just those kind of, like, I guess the bigger, like, shots in the NBA, like Lillard or, like, Curry, like, they're fan favorites, you know? Like, they've got their whole franchise behind their back just because of, yeah. like, what they do and who they are, you know? Like yeah. Lillard, Lillard winning those those clutch moments, those game winners and all that in the playoffs, like that's like that already puts you uh, like way high in the fan the fan voting and all that. Yeah, you know? but not even just him being a fan favorite, but him wanting to be on the team that he's on, despite all of the years where they haven't done anything to build a team around him. Yeah. Until I think recently, you know, they've they've made more moves than they have in past. Four off seasons in two years because he deserves it now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he signed that monster contract in the off season, mm-hmm. and that's just a testament to his, you know, loyalness. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although I do think he wouldn't be as loyal if they didn't give him that contract. I think loyalty is basically okay. How much are you going to pay me? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think if the Blazers played hardball with him then I don't think he'd be as loyal. Maybe he would be. I could be completely wrong. Maybe he would be. Uh, but, yeah, you make a good point. Uh, he's never voiced any kind of, you know. I remember when Kobe, what was uh, after Shaq and before Pau Gasol, Kobe wanted the Lakers to trade him. Everybody talked yeah. about Kobe only played with yeah. one team. Kobe's loyal. Kobe's loyal. No, 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 no. You gotta know your history. Kobe asked the Lakers to trade him. Yeah, he he even got on the phone with Donald Sterling, the owner, former owner of the Clippers. He even took a meeting with Donald Sterling to try to get away from the Lakers. So, as I said, sometimes you know you hear things that it's not necessarily the way it is. Loyalty is first of all to the Almighty Dollar. These are professional athletes. Professional means you get paid. Right. You know. So loyalty is the Almighty Dollar, Uh, and then it's well. For the most part, and then it's winning. But yeah. guys want to come in; they want to get paid, man. This money is crazy. This money is this money is life changing, generational. Mm. Twenty five, thirty, thirty five million dollars a year. Are you kidding me? Mm. Guys are loyal to that kind of that dollar. They want the dollar, okay? Mm-hmm. As you would want the dollar, and I would want the dollar. Right. Winning is nice. Championships are nice, or whatever. But you can't eat that trophy. Your yeah. your great grandkids can't eat that trophy. Correct. Mm. Right. They want to go to private school. They want to live in a nice home. You know, set up your family for life. All those things are very important. So, uh, but yeah, um, I think the team has to be loyal to a guy like uh, Bradley Beal, who's got also got a big extension. Right. Yeah. A guy like Damian Lillard. Okay, yeah. So that's one reason why they want to stay. Yeah. Those are some pretty big bucks, and they're not going to turn it down. That's true. Yeah. And I think the truest, you know, form of loyalty in today's NBA is a guy like Udonis Haslam, who... He's entering, I think, his 22nd season with the Heat at this point. I yeah, mean, well, he doesn't even play any games. He's, he's getting money yeah. for basically being a captain on the bench. I mean, yeah. I see the points you're making, but, I mean, did he, did he even appear in a game last year? I don't even know if he did. He got a couple minutes or whatever. I don't know. 
but yeah, your point is they like. See, that's that's the other thing they like his voice. They think his voice resonates on the team, and yeah. their teammates respond to him. Usually, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. The, but the players won't respect teammates who don't play. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, they're like, "Who's this guy trying to tell me what to do? He's not even good enough to play." Right. However, the exception to that rule is Udonis Haslam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Kobe. I believe who is that player that he had terrible history with? Smush Parker. Yes, Smush Smush Parker. I mean, I think Smush tried to tell him something, and then Kobe just from that day was not a fan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, players can't be fooled. They know what which one of their teammates is bringing it, which one of their teammates is slacking. They know which one of their teammates they can depend on if they throw the ball to them, and which one of their teammates wants to run and hide. Yeah. So there's no secrets in the locker room. There are no secrets on the floor. It's, you, you're, you're, it's plain as day. And a guy like yeah. Kobe, who's very smart, who I interviewed, first time I interviewed Kobe was like Lord Mary in high school. I met him in, outside of class, and we went to the gym and started talking. A 17-year-old, I was like, walked away impressed because he knew all these different languages and everything. I never thought he'd turn out to be as great as he did. But back then, I did know he was kind of special. Mm. Uh, and what a competitor, too. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. But um, besides all of that, we have some games we would like to discuss with you. Yeah. When the first one being from the Wednesday slate of games, where the Utah Jazz defeated the Atlanta Hawks 125-119 to in Atlanta. Are there any, especially about this Jazz team, are there any surprises? I mean, there's clearly surprises for them, but you you know more than we do. And in the NBA, is there any discussions about them internally? You know, about them being so surprising. Well, I mean, they, look, one thing you have to understand is you talk, hear about all this tanking and things like that. Players don't tank. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. They don't tank. Teams may tank. Yeah. Okay. Coaches really don't tank. The people whose jobs are on the line, oh, they don't tank. I mean, when you yeah. think about a coach, he tanks and he loses. He, he goes to a season winning 10 games. He ain't going to be coaching that much longer. Exactly. You talk oh, yeah. about a player, these guys are, what, they're going to tank so the team can draft a high, uh, uh, get a high draft pick to take their job. Right. Exactly. Oh, no, 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 no. These guys aren't going to tank, man. They're going to they're gonna play. I think yeah. what you see with the Utah Jazz is, you know, it's just a, just a, you know, a bunch of players who are just going out there and they're just playing ball. Absolutely, now, look, yeah. I mean, I'm not so naive. I don't think this team is, you know, championship ready. And right, yeah. I'd be even surprised if they even make the playoffs and everything. But, it's, you know, at the same time, I mean, they're going out and, and they're playing. They're not worrying about, you know, high draft picks. That's Danny Ainge's thing, exactly, you know? yeah. Uh, you know that that's something for him to worry. They're just trying to go out there, play as hard as they can, mm. and maybe put themselves in line for the next big contract. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, one player in mind who has been thriving just so much in this his role with the Jazz is Lowry Markkinen, who I mean, at some at points last season, the last few seasons was labeled as a bust. Yeah, I mean, which has, in terms of the NBA, has really become a overused word, a misunderstood word, because I I feel like your career and your potential as a player shouldn't be decided after five seasons or so. You know, that's for someone to decide ten seasons into your career or something like that. But I'm just really well, happy about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, basically, you're you're asking what's the benchmark before we just the, before we know you know who's a who's a bus and who isn't. Right. I would say in the NBA, you can pretty much know after two or three years who's mm-hmm. going to be a productive player. Maybe not a star player yet, but who's going to be a productive player? Yeah. And you almost have to know because you have to make a decision on their next the contract, contract yeah, the contract. contract yeah so you have to kind of make a determination on a player after two or three years maybe that's not enough time in the case of Lloyd marketing you know big guys are probably a little bit later bloomers and everything Lloyd marketing's issue is this 
when he started out, he was actually pretty good with, he was. with Chicago. But then he started falling in love with that three-point shot. Yeah. And then this is a guy with a great size. You know, he's like 6'10", 6'11", you know, kind of strong and everything. Mm. He started taking, he started jacking up all these threes. And yeah, again, yeah. it just goes back to whenever I see big men hitting, the, you know, jacking up those threes, I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to shoot at a high percentage, all right. But it's not about shooting threes. It's about where you're setting up on the floor. If, if yeah. you spend 75% of the game, Standing outside by the three-point line, and you're seven foot or whatever, then you're just you're six two. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. Laurie Markin fell in love with the three. Then he got kind of lost in the shuffle in Cleveland. They had a couple other very talented big men, Jared Allen, yeah, Mobley, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know he he you know Jared. I mean, uh, Markin was pretty good, but you know he wasn't getting the minutes and the touches on that team. Right, and, exactly. You know, so then he goes to Utah, and all of a sudden he got minutes and touches. And the other thing about him, he's learning to use his body, get, get, get contact, get to the line, mm-hmm. use all the floor, not just part of the floor. Right. And I think his confidence is soaring, and now he's averaging over twenty points a game and looking pretty valuable for the yeah. Jazz. And, and something that I saw, like I think this this stretch that he's having with Utah, he's just carried over from the Euro League. Like when he when he was balling out in the Euro League, like I just saw. A, really a different side of Larry Markkinen, you know, like just actually trying to contribute to his team. And he looked really, really good there. And I'm, I'm really glad that he's carried it over because uh, I've been a fan of him, like really since he got drafted. And I just like I wanted to see him flourish. And I'm glad that he's actually, um, you know, uh, starting to butt into the player that I've hoped he was going to be, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You're right. You're right. I mean, so, again, you know, I think Utah, you know, they're sitting atop of the Western Conference. Yeah. Been there for a good part of the season, and people people are wondering when they're going to fall down. Mm-hmm. I would say I'd be very curious to see where they are right around January. Approaching yeah. that trade deadline, see mm-hmm. what they do. Yeah. Is, are they going to be buyers or sellers? That's going to yeah. tell us what teams are, pull, are waving the white flag and trying yeah. to position themselves for Victor Wembeyana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And... A player in mind. Whenever I hear you talk about players looking for the next contract, is a guy like Killian Hayes on the Pistons, who is really good defensively, especially and a really efficient passer, can make great plays. But on the offensive side of the ball, he just is inconsistent and he struggles. And the first half of the season, he was or the first part of the season here so far. He was the worst player in the NBA for, I think, the first two weeks. Then just the last few games, he's been picking it up on the offensive side of the ball. But just guys like him, who he was the seventh pick in 2020. And so what's he? what would players like him be looking at for their next contract in today's NBA? I don't, I don't think they're going to throw any big money at him. Uh, I could be wrong. He kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, remember Frank... Tilakina when he was with the oh, Knicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the lottery pick, guard, foreign mm-hmm. guard, came in the league and never really established any kind of traction. Yeah. He's okay, but never really panned out or whatever. Now what he's on his third team, fourth, whatever it is. Yeah. And Killian Hayes, uh, he just hasn't stood out. And now if you yeah. look at the last couple years, the Pistons have stocked up on guards. Jake Nivey, Kate Cunningham. Uh, right. Well, I mean, Remember, this was supposed to be, you know, Killian Hayes he's supposed to be starting at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, you know, I'm not so sure. And, and yeah, I, I just think they're not going to throw a lot of money at someone who's not going to start for them. Mm, yeah. I think he's going to probably get a qualifying offer. If that, he's mm-hmm. going to have to go to another team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another game from Wednesday, uh, the Grizzlies um, at uh, at San Antonio. Um they won uh, two points in overtime. I went mean, one twenty four to one twenty two. Uh, that was a close game from a team that you know everybody's had really high hopes for. You know, especially against a, a smaller, younger team like the Spurs. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think. Look, uh, I think we we're already seeing how special of a player that uh, you know that John Morant is. Absolutely. But, I mean, how about Desmond Bain? I mean, this guy yeah, is yeah. averaging almost 25 points a game, yeah. shooting a 
a really good percentage from you know this three point percentage is like forty five percent. Yeah. I mean this guy, but this guy is he has his eye on the, on, the, on a contract extension. He's contract eligible next summer. Right. And yeah. so yeah, he wants he sees the the money that John Morant's making. He saw that you know that that Memphis has a uh, you know that they don't have a really big payroll. Uh, they gave Jaron Jackson Jr. a nice little contract. Right. Uh, so, yeah, he's hungry, man. They, they, look, never underestimate a player who's playing for his next contract. All right. of a sudden, man, they, they come back harder, stronger. They want that money. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Yeah. Desmond Bain has been a very good player for the Grizzlies. I like the young core they're building. Yeah. Uh, I think they caught some teams by surprise last year. Yeah, So for far sure. this year, they're playing pretty well. And wait till Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back right around mid-January or whatever. Is right. It? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the Spurs on the other team, um, they're still looking pretty good. I mean, they've got some wins against the Wolves that were kind of big. They won against the Bucks. What was it, Friday? Um, right. And sure, like, the Bucks didn't have Giannis, and, like, and the Wolves are kind of just falling apart right now. Um, but I think, like, Kelton Johnson, like, I'm a Spurs fan. I was born in San Antonio, and I've, I, I absolutely love, like, watching – a young player like like Keldon Johnson, just somebody who shouldn't who sh- whose role should have been like Kawhi or somebody like that, but who is really just like filling in those big shoes for that team. Like I just love seeing that too. Yeah, yeah. Keldon Johnson's played well. They gave him a little bit of money, I believe, last year. So yeah, uh, he's turning out well. How about Jakob Poto, man. I mean, he's oh, yeah. playing really well. I mean, you know, averaging right around 10 rebounds a game. He's going to be a free agent this summer. It'll be really interesting what the Spurs do about him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, but if you're the Spurs, you know, you just got all these young guys. You're just going to give them as much time as possible mm-hmm. and see who's worth sticking around for next year Yeah. and see whom you might want to you might want to trade. I, th- I think the, in large part, a, a developing team like the Spurs is, where they going to be drafted next year? If they get someone, yeah. if, if they get Victor, you know, all of a sudden, everything changes. Everything changes. I know. I know. It does. And, I mean, I feel like, again, it all revolves down to who gets Victor because right. it could either be a team like the Magic, uh-huh. who just got a franchise player, so where would Victor fall in line with them? Or it falls to a team like the Pelicans, who already have, again, a franchise player. Yeah. But... Yeah. That just makes th- that just loads them up even more, right? Or it goes to a team like the Jazz, like, like the Jazz who don't have a franchise player, right? Or like the Spurs who don't have a franchise player, and it really gives them that guy, yeah, that they've needed for a minute. Absolutely, and even if a team has a so-called franchise player, like suppose he would end up in New Orleans. Uh, you'll find a space for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They'll yeah. be good. I, I think they'll find a way to work with you know, mm. uh, you know what the what the Spurs have there. I mean, what the uh, what the Pelicans have, and yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, it's as simple as that. They, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, there's one more game, and it was from the Friday night slate, and again, another player from the Jazz who who was traded, Donovan Mitchell on a Cavs team who was very good for the first half of the season last year. Then they injuries caught back up to them, and they kind of fell out of the play-ins. Yeah. But this season, they're looking really good so far. Mm-hmm. And the team across the court from them, the Golden State Warriors, defending champs, have really looked like the Draymond Poole stuff, in a way, has affected their play. I mean, that might just be me, but I feel like it's a different Warriors team. It's not the same as yeah. it has been. I'm, I, I don't know whether or not the Draymond Poole thing, I mean, they seem to get along. Yeah. I don't see them fighting on the court. Draymond's passing on the ball. so And it's a veteran team. It's not a young, fragile team. You That's got Steph Curry. Steph Curry's not going to let that you know, affect the team. Clay Thompson's not gonna let that affect the team. Yeah. Uh, Steve yeah. Kerr's not gonna let. He's 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 not a young coach. He, you know, he's he better yeah. coaches. So I think that part is okay. I just don't know if there's been a sense of urgency with this team. You know, coming yeah. off a championship, like I said, they weren't the strongest team. Warriors team winning a championship, yeah. uh, and I never thought they were going to be a shoe in to repeat this year. I thought they they kind of took advantage of Kawhi Leonard 
being yeah. out for the Clippers. Right. Didn't sure. play. Denver's missing, you know, Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's their star. That kind of helps out a little bit too. Yeah. Lakers didn't have their stuff together, so LeBron wasn't in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I I think they kind of you know it was really just the Memphis Grizzlies around. So yeah, yeah. And and, and Dallas with Luca, they didn't have anybody else to really scare the Warriors. So I think the Warriors took advantage last year, but I don't think that's going to be the case this year. And Steph Curry's playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I haven't seen anything from Wiggins or Poole, yeah. Clay Thompson, Draymond. I haven't seen them elevate their games at all this year. Maybe it'll happen eventually. We'll so Who knows? We'll see. But, you know, so far they've been, you know, eh. Yeah. Yeah. And especially for them throwing all that money to Wiggins and Poole in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And with even Draymond expecting money. I don't know if they'll give it to him, but he, you know, he wants the contract. He wants to be in Golden State. Yeah. But it's just a matter of is Golden State willing to pay for a winning team, right? Rather than build uh, around what they have right now. Yeah. Build around what? Yeah, I don't. I, look, the Warriors luxury with the luxury salary and the luxury tax, they're five six hundred million dollars a year that's a lot of money it's it okay is. if you're winning yeah if you're if you're in position to win a championship but if you know if they're out in the first round or whatever i, I don't think you'll see draymond if, Dray, if they bring draymond back they basically have to double his salary for for luxury tax purposes and yeah. that's a lot of cash yeah man. it's a lot of cash yeah but i mean this Cavs team to me donovan mitchell's just look he's looked really good yeah Averaging over 30 points this season, and even his assist, you know. He's getting good looks, I mean, for his teammates. He's opening up the floor for the Cavs, I think. And with Garland being hurt the first few games, you know, with him coming back, they're just looking even better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think Donovan Mitchell so far has been a great pickup. My only... Uh, I, I, the only thing I'm wondering about Donovan Mitchell is, you know, Darius Garland had a breakout year last year. was an all-star, yeah. got a big contract and everything. I was interested to see the, the chemistry between those two players. Yeah. You know, Donovan Mitchell, when he was in Utah, the ball was in his hands. It I was, mean, yeah. they made a trade for Mike Conley, but a, a few years after they got Donovan to basically be the quote-unquote point guard, Mike Conley became like a run to the corner three-point shooter yeah he wouldn't yeah. give that ball donovan did, did give him the ball he wouldn't give up the ball so i was be very curious this season and again they've only played what about five games together mm-hmm. yeah uh, i'll be very curious this season to see how they mesh particularly in the moment of truth last two minutes tight game who gets that ball is Donovan going to look for Darius Garland? Darius Garland going to look for Garland? Uh, look for uh, Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how those two players mesh on the floor. They, they're, first of all, they're nice guys. Yeah. Awfully nice guys. Yeah, they I are. mean, really, super character guys. I just need to see them share the ball and not worry about who takes this shot or that shot. Yeah. But I think one thing that Mitchell has going for him over Garland in that scenario is is that um, he has thrived in those last-moment opportunities, you know. In Utah, his clutchness, I guess, his clutch came in, you know. I mean, come playoff time, Donovan Mitchell is just a different breed. He just, I feel like he thrives under the pressure. He does. And, I mean, I'm excited to see where this team ends up, you know, in the next few years. Because they only have Mobley, who was the third pick second, last yeah, season. Second year player, yeah. And he's only going to get better. Right. And they have Jared Allen, yeah. who's still very young as well, mm-hmm. on a very nice contract, especially for what he brings to the team, you know. So I'm just really excited to see, not only to bring on the fact that they have Isaac Okoro, who is great defensively, and he could shoot the ball pretty well. Yeah. You know, this team is just going to be – it's going to be a force the next few seasons, I feel like. I'm looking forward to it. This is the first time in the post-LeBron era that, you know, Cleveland fans have a reason to feel really excited. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, yes, like I said, I think they're going to be 
they're going to finish in the top six, I think, in the East. And wasn't so sure when the season began, but I think they'll finish in the top six in the East. Who knows? I mean, you get a couple breaks, fall your way, whatever. Mm-hmm. They could find themselves, you know, going deeper than anybody ever thought once the postseason begins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they have, they have the perfect team. Mm-hmm. They have leaders like Kevin Love and Jetty Osman who can, who have experience in the playoffs, and. They have veterans like Robin Lopez who can, you know, te- help teach those young players up. Yeah, especially so, those those bigger players who yeah. are doing really well on the defensive end. They are. Yeah. And I feel like Cleveland has two true big men. I mean, yeah, yeah Mobley can go out and shoot every once in a while, but he play he plays like a big man should. You know, he plays through the post, and if he if you need him to, he'll play. He'll stretch the floor. So. You know, I just I just like how Cleveland's running their team. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, I, I I think that all things go well, uh, and they get the great matchups and everything, stay healthy and everything, and those young players grow and don't become intimidated by the postseason glare. Uh, who knows? I mean, why not Cleveland? We'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we will. But thank you for taking time out of your evening to record this session with us and you know it was it was a great talk yeah thank you so much hey guys this, I, actually the pleasure's all mine i appreciate appreciate it good conversation i respect your knowledge of the game uh and just we'll see what happens the rest of the season hopefully it gives us something else to talk about yes sir absolutely, absolutely. but again thank you and have a have a great night i appreciate it guys yep Okay, so with that, um, we'd like to thank Sean Powell uh, for joining us, and um, I hope to see you all next week. Again, five star, or don't forget, five-star ratings only. And, um, yeah, Charles, yeah. anything you'd like to add? Um, if you were expecting the fantasy stardom situm, the rookies of the week, and the compare and contrast, I think we're just going to do a double whammy on that the okay. next episode. Okay. But... Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we definitely I mean, have a lot to talk about, especially with the compare and contrast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. man, that that was a really good talk. Yeah. I feel like I gained the knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Just being on the call with that guy. Yeah. I mean, but again, thank you, Sean, for coming out and, mm-hmm. you know, just giving a great, great discussion with us. Absolutely, know? yeah. But that's going to conclude and, the... And thank you, listeners. Thank you for, for, you know, for just for, you know, just tuning in. Um, I hope to see you all next week. Yep. Yeah.